is the breakout. Is the grass really greener? So if you're here on accident, you can leave. We won't feel bad. But we're going to talk about comparison today. And we're going to talk about comparison in a way that feels probably different than what you're anticipating. So I'm excited to share that with you guys. And um, we're going to introduce ourselves here in a second. But can you guys hear us in the back, microphone-wise? Great. And can you see the screens and whatnot? Awesome. Screen. Everybody One screen. Handout? handout? Good. Man, you guys are on it. Okay, well, um, I'm Madison Clinton. I work at K-State. I love you people in this room. This is a picture of um, a moment of me living my best life. Not that you have to be at Disney World to be living your best life, but I was with some of my BFFs. We were smoking way too hot. It was blazing lava outside. That part was terrible, but it was, Millie was there as well. She was just in a different part of the park. But... Um, it was really fun. That's me. I live with seven other of the K-State staff girls, and it's kind of like a mini sorority, which is really fun, and I love it, but that's a tiny bit about me. You guys, my name is Millie. I Many of you guys I know, some of you guys I don't. If don't know, afterwards, please come introduce yourself to Madison. We'd love to meet you if we don't know you. But my name is Millie. I also work on staff at K-State with Madison. I used to live in Virginia uh, about a year and a half ago, but moved to Kansas when I married that guy who's absolutely amazing. His name's Blake. If you see him, please introduce yourself to him. We actually, this is our Christmas photo. We took it at the mall in Manhattan, Kansas. Never sleep on your mall. They have good stuff there. And Amanda Hardy took the picture. She did yes. awesome. Yes. So, that's a little bit about her. Uh, okay, and you guys, we are gonna talk about, again, comparison, but before we do that, we wanted to talk about, discuss this with the people around you. What are some, this is kind of wordy, so pay attention here. What are some things that, when used well, are helpful to you, but when used not well, are harmful to you? Okay, brainstorm with the people around you for a second. Okay, that was not nearly enough time, but go ahead and shout them out. What are some things that, when you use them right, they're helpful, but when you use them wrong, they're harmful? Hair straightener, hair oil, your words, food, amen, Oreos, life, oh, a knife, oh my gosh, yes, what, medicine, yes, caffeine, uh, too close to home, okay, well, we're going to talk about three, um, so, Icy Hot, any ex-athletes out there that used Icy Hot, okay, so one time, I um, was shaving my legs like a normal girl, and I got razor burn, unfortunately. And so that was in the morning before um, my like junior year of high school, whatever, I don't know. And I go to class, I'm sitting in second period chemistry, and I'm like, wow, my legs really hurt. Wait, I have a bottle of Icy Hot in my backpack. I'm gonna cool these puppies down. I put the Icy Hot on my legs, and I like start crying on the spot. I want to scream. I sprint out of chemistry class, which you're not allowed to do in high school, unlike college. And I learned that Icy Hot, when used on a nice cramping leg, awesome, helpful. But Icy Hot used on razor burn, really, really bad idea. So please don't ever do that. That was something that was harmful when it could have been helpful instead. But Millie actually has a similar scenario as well. Clearly we don't know how to use the things that we have. No. But I was in a wedding a number of years ago, and so I lived 
about three hours from where the wedding was and my parents lived an hour from where the wedding was and my dress that i was wearing for the wedding was at my parents house so i was like i'll drive to my parents house i'll also shower there and like shave my legs and my mom picks on there i'm glad there's only girls in this room <laughs> but so i'm like only my dad was there so i like put get in there i've never used an air before it's the first time i ever used an air it was only like maybe like four years ago when this happened so i like get in the air i put it on my armpits it starts to burn, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is supposed to burn. And then I put it on the armpit, and you, I'm on the other armpit, and you guys, my arms are on fire. I mean, I mean, I'm like, wow, what? I don't know. I mean, I didn't have it on long. I did, don't think it's supposed to burn like that. So I'm like, I'm just going to hop in the shower, and you guys, I begin to scream. My dad's like, what's happening? I mean, you guys, I'm not kidding. It was probably the worst burn I've ever had. I mean, I have darker skin. I'm black. <laughs> but you guys my armpits were white like white i couldn't they burned for like a week i couldn't put deodorant out Glad, thankfully it was in january so it was okay with the other but i had to put cornstarch on like my mom gave me this idea to put on cornstarch to like dry my armpits out whatever but i had to sleep with my arms over my head like it was horrible i probably am probably gonna have cancer in a couple years from this there but maybe i used it right maybe i didn't i also have sensitive skin so i probably shouldn't have used it anyway so. Softening baby oil. That's probably helpful. Mm. <laughs> okay, and then the last one um, that we are going to talk about is Tide Pods. Do you guys know where I'm going with this? Okay, so for some reason, America thought it would be a fun trend to eat Tide Pods, which is so dumb. Does anyone not know about this? Okay, I'm glad most of you unfortunately know about this. So a Tide Pod, when used well, will clean your clothes, right? Awesome. A Tide Pod, when used not well, will go in your mouth and then you have to go to the hospital. So I don't know why this became a trend. Maybe it was TikTok. Does anyone know? Did anyone try this ever? Eat a Tide Pod? Don't be ashamed. Okay, good. I'm proud of all of you. Proud of you. But I feel like a Tide Pod is the prime example of there are just some things that can be used well and they're helpful to us. And there's some things that can be harmful when they're not used well. And actually what we're here to tell you guys about comparison is not to not compare but to compare well. And so we didn't even really know that that was a concept, or I guess it's natural for us to hear comparison and we're like, okay, I don't wanna do that in my life. But actually we can compare and it can be really, really helpful for us. So we're gonna kinda talk about the what, the why, and the how of comparison today. So naturally we wanna start with the what's, and a simple definition that we found for comparison is just a consideration or an estimate of the similarities or dissimilarities between two things or people. So that's actually, I think, written on your handout, that definition. But you guys already know what this is. It's just essentially stacking two things against each other and seeing, okay, how are these things similar? How are they different? You guys have been learning this since preschool. You take a cat and a dog, you made those Venn diagrams. And it was like, okay, where do they overlap? Where are they different? Guys and girls, how are they similar? How are they different? Hot and cold, how are they similar? How are they different? all sorts of different things. And so you clearly know what comparison is, but talk to the people next to you. What are some common things that we as women tend to compare? And then we'll come back together. Okay, you guys, go ahead and shout a few of those out. I know there were some good ones out there and I bet you guys had similar ones. What do we compare? Hair. Hair. Redheads. What else? Looks. Relationships. Relationships. Social media? Our clothes. Our clothes, yes. Maybe a couple more. School, School grades. 
Success, yes. I feel like you guys, I wrote a list of just things I was thinking of and you pretty much said all of them. How we look, our hair, our nails. Nails were like not a thing when I was in college and they got way cooler now and I, I, like, I think they're fun, but I feel like I have to keep up with my nails. Um, clothes, our body shapes, success, so grades, athleticism, fitness, awards, acknowledgements, relationships, whether it's our relationship status or families or even friendships. So you guys know that we're constantly comparing all sorts of different things as women, but probably the better question that we should ask is why do we tend to compare? And so again, kind of like we were talking about a second ago, comparison is actually natural. So again, we learned in preschool how to compare and they were never like shaming us for comparing or making Venn diagrams. And so um, I found a quote that was really helpful and this is from nyu.edu, so it, a very scholarly website, not Wikipedia. But it says, comparisons allow us to form a baseline for where we are in life and where we want to be. They allow us to take stock of and calibrate ourselves against our peers, against our fellow students, against our friends and colleagues, and against the people we look up to. So naturally we hear those words against and we're like, oh, that's bad because I don't want to compare myself against Allie. But actually I'm like, oh, Allie's really fun and I want to be more fun as well. So it can actually be a really beneficial thing as well. And what it's saying is it helps, comparisons just help us ground ourselves and understand our realities. So we were thinking about these and I thought we would share just a few um, different comparisons that you guys make regularly and it informs your reality. So the fact that we learned that guys and girls are different, that informs my reality. The fact that we learn red and green are different, that informs how I drive. Can you guys imagine how you would drive if you didn't know that red and green were different? Probably really chaotic. Kind of like South Africa, we lived down there and learned how to drive on the backwards roads down there and it felt chaotic. Um, okay, hot and cold are different. That informs how I dress. Yesterday versus today, kind of different. Walking and running are similar, so that informs how I work out. Why would I run two miles if I could walk at an incline? Am I right, ladies? Thank you. Okay, physics and calculus are similar. That informs how I study, or maybe they're not similar. I don't know, I was trying to think of two subjects. Uh, whatever. But I found another quote too. You could keep going with these, but that it's helpful in explaining this. But this man, Thomas, says, it's one of the most basic ways we develop an understanding of who we are, what we're good at, and what we're not so good at. And that's okay. So what it's saying is just comparison is just helping us in a factual way understand, okay, this is kind of where I'm at right now. And so we see that comparison in itself isn't bad, but what we're learning and going again with the Tide Pods is that comparison when done well can be helpful for us, it can help us grow, but when done not well, it actually will be harmful. And the Bible agrees, and so we're here obviously at SMC growing in our faith, and it's really fun to get to see the Bible have these different nuggets that are like, oh, I've been learning this as a fact all growing up, but I didn't realize the Bible also had something to say about it. And so we're gonna just look at two verses, one that explains how comparison is helpful, and then one that explains how comparison is harmful. And so the first explaining that comparison is helpful is Proverbs 27, 17. And it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so have you guys ever, um, has anyone ever sharpened a knife in your kitchen? I'm seeing some head nods, okay, yay. So it's like, okay, essentially you take one sharp knife and you sharpen it against the other one or whatever. It makes them sharper against each other. So. Um, a cool example of this, does anyone know these, who these two women are? Get some head nods, some thumbs ups, yes. 
Okay, I don't know how to pronounce her name, so I'm gonna butcher it. Dahlia, Delilah, Muhammad. Okay, great. Um, and Sydney McLaughlin. So these are the two fastest 400 meter hurdlers in the whole world. So they have been going, they're both on Team USA, been going head to head for years now. And um, it kind of came to a peak this summer at the Olympics. Did any of you guys see this race? It was really intense and really fun. I think I cried, um, which I have no emotional investment in this or track, so I don't know why, but races make me cry. Anyways, it was just really cool because um, Dahlia or Delilah had been beating Sydney uh, the last couple of races and then they trained together um, and Delilah, we'll call her, um, breaks the world record during the Olympic finals, but then Sydney beat her and beat her world record. So literally Delilah got a world record, but got the silver medal because Sydney also got a world record, but got the gold. Does that make sense? It was crazy. So anyways, it was just really cool because I was watching an interview and Sydney actually said literally the verse, iron sharpens iron. And so we're gonna play a quick video of this, um, basically the very, very start of this race and listen to what the announcer um, is saying and then we'll talk about it in a second. When the best two athletes in the world in any sport are pushing at the limits of greatness, the net result is something extraordinary. And that's what America's Dalila Muhammad and Sydney McLaughlin are doing right now in women's 400 meter hurdling. Okay, so he would say Dalila, but so I'll say that from here now. But isn't that cool? So what he was saying is the two greatest in the world come head to head. The net result is something extraordinary. So I'm like trying to picture this. Can you imagine if Sydney would have looked over at Dalila and said, oh, she's like way better than me. I'm just gonna shut down. I'm gonna get really jealous. I'm not gonna do this. They wouldn't have had something extraordinary where they both got world records, but they got the silver and gold together. But instead, Sydney was like, okay, I know Dalila's fast. I'm just gonna run. And then we got to see something incredible. So we can see that clearly um, there is a helpful side of comparison as well. And I thought I would just list um, a few, you don't have to write these down, um, but just kind of think, oh, I've thought this before. Um, a few helpful or even neutral comparisons that you wouldn't have even noticed that you make. So one, um, you haven't looked at the weather on your phone or asked Alexa yet. So you just look at your roommate who already went to class today to decide what you're gonna wear. Has anyone ever done that? You're like, oh, you're wearing pants and a sweatshirt, so that must mean it's cold out. Or you see at the dinner table that everyone else is on their phone right now, so you guess you should be on your phone as well. Or that's what they ordered at Starbucks this morning, so I'll order something similar. They all ordered talls, so it might be absurd if I ordered a venti. So, but I've done it, we've all been there. Um, driving on the highway, you notice, oh, everyone else is slamming on their brakes, maybe I should also. Or, it'd be awkward if not, <laughs> could be bad. Um, or you see that, okay, my friends got A's on their tests, and you actually celebrated them, and it made you wanna try harder the next time. That's a way that it sharpened you or you've run faster in a drill because you knew that the person next to you is fast, or you're excited for a sorority sister when she got a position in the house that she was wanting, even if you didn't get one. So those are just a few examples of helpful comparisons that we make on the daily basis that we probably don't even notice. But the reason that we're in this room is because we've all also made unhelpful comparisons and we're, we know how that feels and it's not fun. And these unhelpful comparisons, these harmful ones, actually lead us to feeling discontent and prideful, which is not a pleasant feeling. And the Bible sums it up really well in Proverbs 14:30. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. 
Have you guys ever felt this before where you've just been envious and you're like, wow, like that actually is a terrible feeling. I thought it would make me feel better. It actually made me feel so much worse. So the Bible summed it up really well in that Proverbs 14 verse. And some examples um, of this that probably you guys have felt and made you even want to come to this breakout. When you're feeling discontent, you're saying, oh, well, she's prettier than me. Or they're doing better than their classes than I am. And they're taking more credit hours. So it's like, how are they balancing all these plates at the same time? Or it seems like every time I get on Instagram, she's going on another trip. Or some ways that the prideful side of unhelpful or the harmful comparisons flesh out is it's like, well, thankfully my life's more put together than hers. Or at least I always have better outfits than her. So we're always thinking down this like discontent or um, prideful to like directions as we're making harmful comparisons. Does that kind of make sense? And so again, we're learning that comparison when done well can be helpful, but comparison when not done well can also be harmful. And so um, there's a book that Millie and I have gotten to read that's called Comparison Girl. It's in the bookstore. We'll tell you guys about it later. It's awesome. But it basically makes a point that um, there's always two directions that our comparison's gonna lead us. And when we're making um, helpful comparisons, it's gonna lead us in an others-focused direction. So you guys can write that in that box. So an others-focused direction. And then um, when we're doing it in a harmful way, it's gonna lead us in a me-focused direction. So you can write that in the other box. And so essentially, the point that she makes in the book is that when we compare in a harmful way, we're always focusing on ourselves, focusing on what we miss out on, the accomplishments we have or we don't have. We're worried about how we look. We think everyone's staring at us. We always feel awkward. Um, and you guys know this feeling well. Me and Millie were talking about this and joking about this and all the things. But um, the classic, you take a group photo. Who's the very first person you look at? You, obviously. <laughs> And then everyone else in the photo looks awesome except you. And then you feel like trash because you're like, I hate that photo. And then you like delete it even though, you know, everyone else looked great. Or I'm like, I'm super guilty of posting like really not awesome photos of other people, but I look really good in it. Which I'm like, is so selfish. I'm sorry if any of you have been victims. I'm sure you have in here. Ugh, not you because you're all beautiful. But you all know what I'm saying. Um... <laughs> But that's just one example. It's like a very me-focused comparison thought. Um, but again, the book goes on to explain when we choose to live in an others-focused sense, it actually is a really freeing feeling. And then we can start to actually add value to other people in our life. So Millie's going to talk more about this and how we can actually live like this in a second. But I thought I'd give a real-life example. So um, I was... These aren't the two in particular, but I was scrolling on Instagram the other day and I scrolled past three engagement posts in a row. These are just two of my um, dearest people who are getting married, my sister and Summer Smith. Um, but I'm scrolling and I'm like, okay, I'm single. That's like me acquainting myself with my reality. That's where I'm at in life. And so now I can think, okay, well, I wanna be married someday, but I also love singleness. So essentially from here, I have a choice. So I'm starting to compare in my mind and I can either choose to be me focused and be really jealous and be like upset with the fact that I'm single or I can choose to be others focused and actually celebrate them really well and make them not feel bad for getting engaged. Cause I'm like, why would I make my friends feel bad about that? But does that kind of make sense? Now I'm like, okay, I have to make a choice of do I want to celebrate others and be others focused or do I want to be me focused and be upset? So 
Something that is really helpful, Millie and I, from that book, Comparison Girl, found a self-assessment tool. So everyone flip over your handout. Look at the very bottom. This tool is gonna help explain um, basically that other, so what it's gonna say, in one of the columns it has an others focus mentality and explains some of the feelings that come with that. And then the second column has a me focus mentality and explains some of the feelings that come with being me focused. So what you guys are gonna do for the next like minute and a half, two minutes, is just make an X on the line if you've ever identified with that feeling before. So um, yeah, if like you're currently identifying or have identified before. So it's gonna be awkwardly quiet because we're not gonna play music, but ready, set, take two minutes and go ahead and make some X's. Don't peek at each other, or you can. We're not compare girls. <laughs> okay, you guys can wrap that up if you haven't finished yet, but it's clear to see that we can all tend to um, make decisions in the me focused <laughs> column and it's not fun. Um, but again, that we really do have a choice and that there actually is hope for us being able to live more consistently in the others focused column. But that hope actually comes from when we start looking at the question of what am I really asking when I compare? So if you think about it, what we're actually asking is, am I enough? So every time I say, she's prettier than me, I'm really asking, am I pretty enough? Or every time I say, she scored higher on that test because she had more time to study, I'm actually asking, am I smart enough? Or when I get on Instagram and I see that she's on another trip, I'm actually asking, am I getting enough life experiences? Or again, if I say on the prideful side, at least my life is more put together than hers, I'm really subconsciously asking, is my life put together enough? So we're always asking and kind of measuring up of am I enough? And what's really sweet is the Bible says that when I'm asking, am I enough? It's actually me asking, is who I was created to be enough? Because kind of like Chad was talking about, there was a God who created us and he loves you and he knit you together in your mother's womb and he created you perfectly, the Bible would say, and that he didn't make mistakes and that he's a wise and smart God. And so really, every time you say, am I pretty enough? It's like, hey, did God make a mistake? Was I created correctly? And it's encouraging because I thought we would just share a few um, different things that God actually says about us as people and as women. And the first is just that we were created in his image. Genesis 127 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So that means God created us and every single person has value because of that. So that's something we can be encouraged by every time we're questioning, am I enough? The next is that we're wonderfully made. And Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. This comes right next to that passage about us being knit together in our mother's wombs, which is kind of a really sweet picture if you think about God intentionally took the time to think up and design every single piece of who you are, which is really sweet. And I'm like, this is a room full of, I can't count, 50 people or something. And I'm like, he took time to take make 50 people, but also 7 billion people and the people forever before and that will come. The next is just that you were created with a plan in mind. This means you have value all in itself. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. So he's, 
he's made a plan for you and he knows it. He doesn't promise that he's gonna tell you every step of the way, but he knows the plan. And then last, just that you were created for a purpose. So this is similar, but Ephesians 2 says you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I think those are just some really sweet truths um, that God says about us. And there are so many more in the Bible. We included some on the bottom of that handout. But I would also challenge you to go find more of your own. Even start um, committing those to memory. If you guys got to go to the scripture memory encounter this morning, maybe you could also start with some of these verses. If you're constantly telling yourself, I'm not enough, tell yourself that you are actually wonderfully and fearfully made. And so um, we just want to be speaking these truths to ourselves because ultimately God tells us who we are in the Bible and that yes, we are enough because of what he says, not because of what my friend says or because of how I measure up to the person next to me, um, but that we're created for a purpose. We're created in his image and that we can actually learn from others by making helpful comparisons. And so since we're learning that comparison itself isn't all bad and that we can do it in a way that's actually helpful, Millie is now gonna transition us into learning how we can compare. So you guys, Madison told us what comparison is. She told us why we compare. Now we'll just look deeper into how do we, how do we compare? Like what does comparison look, look like in our lives? And one thing about me, I love God's word and I love that God's word relates to us. Like we can use God's word to just say like, how am I supposed to live in a way that really does honor God? And so what we'll do is we'll look at a story that Jesus tells in Luke 18. And I'll read it. You guys can follow on the screen. I'll read it. It says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Parable means story. Um, He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to the heaven but, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So what's happening here in this story um, that Jesus is telling? He's, he's telling a story about two men. One, a Pharisee. So a Pharisee would have been a religious, um, a religious zealot. So he'd have been known for memorizing the whole Old Testament, could you imagine memorizing the whole Old Testament? Memorizing the whole Old Testament and just also being known for all the religious things they did. So they would have been trying to prove to you, hey, I'm religious. I've done good things. I've kept the Ten Commandments. I've, I've followed what I'm supposed to do. Um, so also, so this Pharisee, what he does, he goes he goes to the temple to pray. And he kind of goes up and he begins to say, God, I thank you that I'm not like all these different people, the robbers, evildoers, adulterers. And he even probably points to this tax collector and says, this guy too. Well, the other man, who's a, who's a tax collector, he would have been known for the greed. Um, he would have been detested and deceitful. People would probably have been like, wow, he's a tax collector. Don't spend time around him. People probably wouldn't have enjoyed him because of you know, his job and what he did and how he treated people. So this man also goes to the temple and pray. But the thing about the tax collector, he doesn't go up to the front. He kind of stands back at a distance. He can't even lift up his head. Um, he beats his chest, and he doesn't compare himself to other people, but he goes, God... Have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, he talks about these two men. One went home justified. One went home 
right? One went home who wasn't, he was, wasn't justified, so he wasn't made right before God. Another went home justified. The humble one went home justified. So even the thing about comparison is we compare ourselves in three ways. We compare ourselves to God, we compare ourselves to others, and we compare ourselves to ourselves. So in these three sections, that will, that's what we'll do. We'll look at how we compare ourselves to God, we'll look at how we compare ourselves to others, and we'll look at how we compare ourselves to ourselves. And first, we'll start off with how we compare ourselves to God. And we'll use the parable to even just see how it relates to our lives as well. So even looking at verse 10, verse 13, it says, But the tax collector stood at a distance, who would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Can you guys imagine that? Have you ever thought that you actually compare yourself to God? You're probably like, well, I mean, I can't really. Like, how can I compare myself to God? Well, the thing about it, you, in fact, do compare yourself to God. Have you ever thought about the fact that you do? Even if you don't think you do, you actually do. And we'll talk about that even more as we talk about the parable. But the thing about the tax collector, he stood at a distance. And he realized, even as he begins his prayer, he realizes that he does not meet the standard. He, he realizes that he's a sinner. He says, God, I'm a sinner. <coughs> he realized that he is not worthy to stand in God's presence. And the thing about it, in Leviticus, Leviticus, sorry, in Leviticus 21, God tells us to be holy as he's holy. I mean, to be holy means to be set apart, to be without sin, to be perfect. I mean, have you ever tried to live a perfect life? You probably see, well, that's not possible. Like, I'm not perfect. I sin daily. But the thing about the Pharisee is he's like, he doesn't even acknowledge that he's a sinner. He's like, God, I'm just glad I'm not like those people. And the thing about comparison is it's easy to compare myself to someone else and see that someone else is probably worse than me. You can always find somebody that's worse than you. But what about we compare ourselves to God? We tend to be the worst person when we compare ourselves to God. That's why we sometimes don't try to compare ourselves to God. And when we do, we're like, well, we try to make excuses. But the thing about it is when we compare ourselves to God in a way that's harmful, we think, I can never be like God or reach the standard that God has set for me. So then we think, so why even try? So we compare ourselves to God and we think, I can't live the standard that God has wanted me to live. I can't live a holy life. I can't be perfect. I find myself sinning daily, so why even try to be like God? Why even try to live the life that he's called me to live? And the thing about it is, like, it leads to us thinking, wow, like, like I said, why even try? But when we compare to God in a way that's helpful, we begin to think like this. I can never be like God or reach the standard that God has set for me, but Christ has done so on my, on my behalf, so why? So therefore, I live to please him. And the thing about it, you guys, I very much like this, grew up in a Christian home, grew up going to church, and I thought that being a Christian means I just need to be a good person. If I just do enough, if I be enough, if I be nice, if I do the things that I'm supposed to do, then why would God not let me go to heaven? It's all about me, the things I do, because when I compare myself to others, I'm good, but when I would compare myself to God, I'd be like, I'm just, I'm just not doing enough. Like I don't see myself able to live the way that God has called me to live. But the thing about it is, like I said, I always feel like I wasn't doing enough. Until one day, my freshman year of college, I heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And a girl told me, she was like, the thing about it is you can never do enough. The thing about it, you can't ever be enough. And the thing is that Christ has already done all that needs to be done. He came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross for your very sins. And he rose, on, he rose from, the, from the dead three <coughs> days later. And if you turn from your sins and trust in him, and he offers eternal life, and he, the life he lived is now given to you if you trust in him. And, and I just think that, wow, like I can go to God because of Jesus. And the, the thing is, if you haven't 
trusted in Jesus, if you haven't put your trust in him, that's your first step. Get to know the God of the Bible. Get to know Jesus and begin to compare your life and be like, yeah, God, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not enough, but you sent your son to die on the cross for me. Therefore, I can come to you. Therefore, I can be enough and I am enough through Jesus. And the thing is that that we can come to God. So find yourself going to God. Go to Jesus and know him more. And the thing is, we don't only compare ourselves to God. But we also compare ourselves to others. We probably find ourselves doing this the most, comparing ourselves to others. And we see that with the Pharisee in verse 11. He goes, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I thank you that I'm not like the robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even this tax collector. We've all been there looking and thinking, wow, this person is worse than me or they're better than me. You guys even probably walk into a room. You probably walked in this room and you're like, well, like that girl has on this and I have on this. Or she looks like this and I look like this. Or she did this and I did this. And we began to measure ourselves based upon how we me- We began to measure ourselves based upon how we see other people. And it leads to one or two outcomes. It leads to either thinking that I'm better than someone else. We begin to compare our lives to them. It leads to pride and discontentment. And it also leads to us thinking that other people are a threat. That, wow, this person has something I don't have. Should I really be her friend? Like, is she going to outdo me? Is she going to be better than me? Or you may find yourself thinking this, this outcome. That, this, that I'm worse than people. That, we're, that I begin to compare my life to them, at least it's low self-esteem, thinking that I'm not able to keep up. But it also leads to me thinking that God is withholding some for me. That there's something that this person has that I don't have. Therefore, God hasn't given me what he, what he should. We feel obligated that God is supposed to give us something that we feel is rightfully ours. But we don't want to be people that think that we're either better than people or we're worse than people. But this is how we want our outcome to be. We want to be people that are free and able to celebrate those around us. We want to be able to enjoy people. We want to be able to enjoy our friends. Even this past week, Blake and I were at home, and we got to have breakfast with some of our friends. And I I went with, like, jeans and, like, a sweatshirt, like a pullover, a nice pullover. But she came in a really cute outfit, and I was thinking, wow, she looks great. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Like, how does she have all that time to get dressed? And I like, woke up, like, an hour and a half before but immediately, I was like, you know, I'm going to compliment her. And I told her, I was like, hey, your outfit looks really cute. And I began to see the spiraling that was happening begin to stop. Like, I actually got to just compliment her. And I get to think, wow, like, I need to do this more often. Like, I want to have the outcome that leads me to be able to celebrate my friends, to be able to be thankful for them, and to see that there are people that do and can do things that are better than me. And that's okay. And I have good strengths that people can learn from me um, as well. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or clever or better looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. That's the reality. We, we just want to live our lives thinking, am I better than them? Like, how am I doing? Like, do I have enough money? Because I want to I wanna have more money than them. I want to look better than them. Amy puts it this way. She goes, Godly comparison isn't ultimately about us. It's about learning. It's about celebrating and learning from God's grace and working on others so that we might better love and glorify God. That's what we want our comparison to lead to. Helping us to love God more, to glorify him, and to see that God is at work in others, and I can celebrate that. And it leads to me comparing in a way that really does build people up. And then lastly, you guys, we compare in a way that we compare to ourselves. We compare 
um, to ourselves. We see that in verse 13, even with the tax collector again. The tax collector doesn't, he isn't consumed with other people. He isn't thinking about the Pharisee, but he's consumed with himself. He's actually consumed with his own sin. He's consumed by the way that he's lived in a way that isn't honoring to God. He sees the way that he's he's taken money from people. He's he's seen the way that he's lived that that is has been deceitful. And the thing about it is that he knows that his life hasn't been right. And he knows that the only thing that he can do is go to God. And he has to. Just like the, the tax collector, we compare as well. And this is how we, we find ourselves comparing. We compare our present to our past. You may even hear yourself saying this sometimes. I'm not as bad as I once was. I was doing blank, but I'm not doing that. I'm only doing this. So I was doing blank, but I'm not only doing, but now I'm only doing this, which isn't bad. So maybe last year it was this bad, but ne- this year it isn't as bad. So we just want to see, wow, like, am I getting better? Like, I'm, I'm not as bad as I once was. Or we compare our present to our future. You may think of yourself saying something like this. I know how I'm living now isn't wrong, but if I'll, but I'll one day eventually change. Maybe when I'm married and have kids and settle down, then I'll, I'll live the life I'm supposed to live. Or maybe when I, maybe when I get things together, then, then my life will be better in the future. Or we compare our, to our day-to-day lives. So we find ourselves often on thinking of this ourselves on the, that there's this cosmic scale in heaven. So I did all these bad things, so I need to make up for with these good things. So maybe I said a bad word today, or I wasn't nice to somebody, or this is how I'm going to make up for it today. Or maybe I'll you know read my Bible for 10 minutes today to make up for the bad things I did. We try to balance out the good and the bad, thinking that, that we can just weigh our, weigh our good deeds and our bad deeds. But the thing about it is, Delayed obedience, delayed disobedience is still disobedience. And delayed obedience is still, oh, sorry, delayed obedience is still disobedience. We're called to live, to live obediently today. Like God calls us to, to live in a way that's honoring and pleasing to him today. And the thing about it is when we compare it to ourselves in a way that is harmful, it leads to us thinking this. It leads to us to excusing our wrongdoing. It leads to us excusing our sin and our lifestyle. Of thinking, hey, it's not that bad. I mean, it's it's only a small lie. It's only a small gesture. Only small. Only stole a small thing. It's not that big of a deal. Or if we compare it to ourselves in a way that's helpful, you guys, it leads to this. It leads to growth in my relationship with God, and changes being made in my life that really do reflect Christ at work within me. Like, is Christ at work in me? Do I see changes in my life? Yeah, we should compare our 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 life a year ago to our life now, but do I see progress? Do I see growth? Do I see me not being enchained and enslaved to the sins I were enslaved to a year ago? Am I beginning to say no to things that were hard to say no to a year ago? Like we should compare it to ourselves, but we should also see progress as well. And the reality, you guys, when I choose to compare in a way that's harmful, this is what I'm choosing. I'm choosing pride and self-focus. I'm, I'm choosing insecurity. I'm choosing shame. I'm choosing worthlessness. And ultimately, I'm choosing discontentment and pride. I'm choosing to say that, hey, you know what? This, this isn't, everybody else is better than me, whatever. Like, who cares? Like, or I'm, I'm better. I'm better than everyone else. I don't care what other people think. You know, I'm the one that, that is better. But you guys, when we choose to compare in a way that is helpful, 
This is what we choose. We choose freedom. We choose to be free from self-doubt. We choose to be free from self-focus. We choose to celebrate others. And ultimately, it leads to life and joy. Like that is what we want to do. We want to be women that, that experience life and joy because we compare in a way that is helpful. And Madison will share even just how we can compare with. Yeah, so we just wanted to give you guys a few um, practical tips to compare well as you leave today. And so the first one um, is just when you're feeling a comparing feeling. I didn't really know what to call that. You're feeling something. Um, we're just going to give you three steps for it. So first is just to identify it. You need to, kind of like Millie was just saying with um, her friend who was wearing the cute outfit, she was like, oh, I'm comparing. So you need to identify that you're comparing to someone and then you need to ask, okay, what does God say is true? And so God says, again, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So Millie in her cute sweatshirt and jeans also is still fearfully and wonderfully made. And so then she remembers that. And then she has to actually choose to believe that. So this is a lot easier said than done, of course. But we just really have to start convincing ourselves that what the Bible says about us is true. Because what the Bible says about you is true. So what God is saying about you is actually true, and we can bank on that, even if we don't feel it in our hearts. Because a lot of times we just have to like tell ourselves that. Have you guys ever heard the phrase, um, talk to yourselves, don't listen to yourselves? If you haven't, it's become truly one of my favorite phrases. It's talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. I forgot to make a slide, I'm sorry. Talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. But basically it's just the idea I'm probably always in my head telling myself something negative. Like, oh, Madison, your hair is too short. You're ugly. You guys know my story. Um, like, whatever it is. Like, all these different things. I'm always telling myself lies. Like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not whatever. Fill in the blanks. But that's me listening to myself. But instead, you want to pause those thoughts and talk to yourself. So then it's like, no, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am created with a purpose. I am dot, dot, dot. Does that kind of make sense? So that has truly become one of my favorite phrases. But to be able to talk to myself, I have to start knowing the Bible. So that's my fun challenge is start getting into the Bible. And so that's our first tip. The second tip is to be a celebrator. So Millie hit on this. Um, but we're, as women, we're all feeling insecure. So why don't we just be on each other's teams and actually celebrate each other instead? I'm like, it really is this vicious cycle that we get into with insecurity and comparing and all these different things, when in reality, it really does give you life when you actually celebrate someone and it adds so much value. So even like going deeper than just complimenting someone's outfit or doing this or that, but you can actually compliment their character or um, different things you've seen them grow in, in their own faith or in their own walk with God or whatever the different things are, but just ultimately being a celebrator and being someone who adds value to other people's lives. Um, and a, a couple of verses that came to mind with this, the first is 1 Thess 5, 11, and it's just really simple, but it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Very simple. We just want to encourage and build each other up. And then the second, um, this is one of my faves, it's 1 Corinthians 12, 26. It says, so it's talking about the body. Um, so kind of as believers, we become the body of Christ. A thumb, would you guys agree? A thumb is very different than an ear. Like very different roles on the body. So, Jessie Edie, raise your hand. There she is, everyone see her? Ugh, good lady. 
Jesse Eady, very different than Kara Lamker. Raise your hand, Kara. A lot of similarities, but very different. So we're gonna pretend that Kara is the ear. Jesse, you're the thumb today. Very necessary. But so we as different parts of the body are going to play different roles and that's okay and that's good because if I didn't have an ear, I'd be sad. But if I replaced my ear with a thumb, that wouldn't work. So we're just all different parts. And so what this goes on to say is if one part suffers, every part of the body suffers with it. So if one of our friends is suffering, we wanna come alongside them and we wanna empathize with them, love them well. But the other half of this verse is the harder part to do a lot of times. It says if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So if Jesse Eady gets a position or an acknowledgement that Kara Lamker really wanted, now Kara has the job, according to this verse, to also celebrate with her rather than choosing to be like upset or choosing jealousy. So I love this. I feel like this is a really challenging verse, but it's going to add a lot of life to your friends and you're going to be a more enjoyable friend also. And you're just going to glorify God if you choose to celebrate your friends well. And so Millie's going to share the last two tips. Yeah, and even the third tip is be an imitator. Be an imitator. The reality is that God has created all of us uniquely. And each of us have different things that we're good at, different things that we enjoy, and different things that others can learn from us and vice versa. Instead of looking at others and becoming bitter and becoming discontent, what if I looked at other people and really saw, wow, like, how can I seek to see what, acknowledge that what they're good at and how can I seek to learn from them? How can I ask them questions? Even God's word says this, it says in Hebrews 6, 12, it says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Hey, imitate those who are doing what God has called us to do. Imitate those, even in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul even says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Example, follow my example, he's also saying, hey, imitate me. Hey, you acknowledge what my life it looks like and seek to live after it. Seek to live after Christ in it. And the thing is, you guys, how can you look to the person to your left or right? What are things that they're good at? What are things that, that they know that you may not know? Do they know something about God's word? How long have they been walking with Jesus? And then are there things that you can learn from them? This is my friend, Kat. We were in the Bible study all, four, all my four years of college. And that's her daughter, Isla, in the middle. Kat and I got to have lunch when I went back to visit my family in Virginia in August. And Kat is probably one of the most amazing interior design people and hospitality people I know, like hands down. So my husband and I just bought a house back in May and I had this blank wall. I text Kat a picture of this wall and I said, I don't know what to do with this wall. And she instantly texted me back and said, oh, you should do this, 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 and this. And we did that to this wall. And so many different times I text Kat and I'm like, hey, I have this um, thing at my house. What should I make for it? And there's so many times she gives me these ideas and I've just really been able to celebrate Kat in the way she's gifted because it doesn't come to me naturally. But I have a friend who it does and I'm like, how can I go to her? How can I celebrate her? And I text her, I was going to tell you guys about her. And she was like, man, it really is cool getting even as she texts me and different things she's able to learn from me. Um, so that's even just a way we can imitate the lives of others. And then the last one is to practice gratitude. It's to practice gratitude and being thankful for the very things that, that God has gifted me with and being thankful for the very people that God has put in my life that I can learn from. Philippians 4, 11 says this. It says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, but for I, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Can you say that? Can you say that you've learned to be content in whatever circumstance? In whatever circumstance you're in today, are you content in it? 
In whatever circumstance that your friends are in, are you able to be content in yours and celebrate them? Because the reality is that we're always there's always something to be ungrateful about. There's always something to complain about. But how can we be women who really do choose gratitude and are thankful for the lives that we've been given to live? So you guys, that's pretty much all that we have um, for the comparison breakout. But again, if you want more info on this topic, head to the bookstore um, because Comparison Girl is an awesome book. Also, I went to the Against the Grain breakout. Did anyone go to that earlier? Okay, awesome. I feel like a lot of it was the same or like really similar thoughts on this. So after SMC, I think all of the breakouts are going to be on the app so you can go back and listen to them. So if you want more, go listen to the Against the Grain um, uh, breakout as well. But then everyone pull out your phones so fast. Sprint. <laughs> Run, don't walk. Take a picture of this slide. We won't have time to discuss together, but as you're leaving, talk about these questions with the friends you came with, and we hope that you guys have an awesome rest of your SMC. I think we're launching you, who knows? Free time? Free time. Enjoy your free time, enjoy your dinner. Go to the hub, go hit the town. Watch out for the ice still on the ground. It's kind of sneaky. I almost fell earlier. Annie Winter, did you see that? It was bad. Okay, guys, thanks so much for coming. We appreciate you. And we'll see you all later in life. <laughs>